Hey, y'all. I'm really excited to be seeing you because I spent a lot of time in the San Antonio airport yesterday, not knowing if I was coming home or not. So I am thrilled for Connect This. How y'all doing? Good. Well, good. It's the first time I've ever heard anyone from Minnesota say y'all, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't grow up here, and uh, I just adopt my favorite language pieces from all over. So according to whatever airport you're in, right? I say, well, I say, I've been saying y'all for a very long time. Also, howdy. Ah, Howdy's a good one. Yeah. I'm Christopher Mitchell from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I usually forget that part when we're starting the show. Um, Here with uh, Travis Carter from USI Fiber, killing it in San Diego right now. I'm first today, Mr. Mitchell. Hello. Yeah. We're um, down here enjoying the 70 degree weather and palm trees. These, These folks haven't figured out down here in San Diego. I'll tell you that. And I think, I think Kim dropped and came back. Um, Travis is on vacation. Usually he's in Minneapolis up by me, but. Uh, yep. Hey, Starlink um, is working amazing. So. Yes. Go, go, go no, that's Starlink. good. And I, I said you're on vacation, but you're working. I'm sure. Like. Well, anywhere you have an internet connection is you're working nowadays. So. Yeah. Kim McKinley, you here for a minute. You can disappear again. I think I'm, I'm good. I might get, I need to get my IT guy to reset our wireless um uh, routers right near my office. Um, but yeah, I think I'm good, but you know, connectivity problems, like, I mean, this is just topical. We're just talking about topical things that are happening every day. We can work through it together. Chief marketing officer for Utopia, a founder of uh, American association for public broadband. And, um, I don't know, lots of other cool things. Oh, on the board of FBA fiber broadband association, big, big shoots there. I think some people say, I, I don't say that, but some people say that. <laughs> and doug appreciated that doug dawson the principal of ccg consulting doug who has consulted with more than a thousand uh local uh, isps and telephone companies over the last 175 years welcome yeah well i don't remember the older days that well but yeah it's been a while so yes. <laughs> i just want to know i'm in the february doldrums and it's kind of annoying to hear 70 degrees and palm trees so well, so I was just down in San Antonio where actually I got this sweet swag, uh, digital equity boot camp we ran down there. Uh, since I saw you last, in fact, I've run a tribal broadband boot camp and two urban digital equity boot camps while also keynoting at yet another event in LA. So it's been it's been a blur, but I was in San Antonio and it was like a high of 40 degrees and Austin right. folks couldn't come down to San Antonio because everything was frozen. They had like yep. that, uh, that great rain that like turns to solid ice. You can't even get into your cars or anything else. So um, it's not always great and sunshiny down there. Never. Yep. Um, so uh, I've been active. I've been out running around and uh, doing stuff. Um, Travis has shared a telecom peekaboo with us that we can throw up. So uh, <laughs> Travis, uh, is this from India? Were you were you over on the subcontinent? You know, I, I've seen things like this in third world countries, but this happens to be outside the taco stand I like in San Diego, California. Wow. And it just led wow. me to understand a little bit more about municipalities and their, you know, focus to control aerial cable networks and, and physical networks. Look at that. Isn't that crazy? This breaks about 32 federal safety rules. This is hard. Yeah. And also, I think this is also a reminder why the idea of the fantasy that we would ever have like robust infrastructure based competition is just totally ridiculous. Whoever came up with that idea was clearly an economist who hadn't left their like cushy college position in way too long. 
Yeah, I, can, I'm you imagine, kind of can you imagine being a technician and trying to fix one of these wires after a storm? That's the whole point of the rules. Holy mackerel. Yeah. So not so much a peekaboo, it's just an observation of uh, wow. that's a, that's a lot. Like I, haven't, I haven't seen that in many many years. That way back in the 70s, I saw a bunch of that, but most of it got cleaned up. That's terrible. I mean, I feel like the it, it's better organized, but that is not so far off what I see sometimes in uh, DC alleyways where, um, you know, you do have like uh, you got the cable, you got the telephone, you got RCN, you may have some other stuff going on and it all just piles up. And I assume some of them are in multiple positions from how much I see. Yeah. So um, there you go. That, that, that's uh, infrastructure here in the um, San Diego area next to the taco cart. So. The one taco cart. I'm sure people will be able to track that oh, down. Yes. I, I don't want to tell everyone because then there'll be a line. I'm impressed yeah. that they have fiber to the taco cart, though. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I want fiber to the taco cart. Maybe I'll get in the taco business then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It looks lucrative, I'll tell you that. Down I'm, there. I'm assuming you guys think I'm a great cook. And since I had connectivity issues, is Travis having connectivity issues that we're, we lost him too? Uh, we lost his picture for a little bit, but we never lost his voice. Oh, okay. oh. That, that's good because I'm, I'm only sure you might lose me again, I was like, can you reset the router when I got the connectivity? So they're probably resetting the router right now. <laughs> uh, so we have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about railroad crossings will pop up uh, an update on my challenge to an absurd claim as to what uh, services are available to my home on the map. Uh, we're not going to talk a lot about the maps. We're going to keep, Doug's blood pressure low, maybe. Um, keep my blood pressure low, maybe. <laughs> and um, we're going to talk about, uh, we're almost at the beginning of the fourth year of the pandemic. And I was just thinking about that and whether or not we're in a better spot for like um, all the, the low income kids out there and whether we've actually done anything or if we've just basically given a ton of money to wireless companies. Um, some of the market dynamics of what's happening and outage here or there and some other little items. But the first thing I wanted to note was I had, um, well, first of all, I should show this. I got a cool new hat huh? from one of the, uh, uh, one of the contests that I triple had to get some money out to people doing novel, uh, wireless and, and wireline approaches to improving internet access around the world. So got to show that off. Um, but I got a note about vaults being available for delivery and I sent it to Travis and uh, I just wanted to do an update on the supply chain because I feel like Travis is now whining 180 degrees different from how he'd been whining before. So Travis, what's your new problem? Well, as I like to whine, Mr. Mitchell, the new problem is there is too much supply. Apparently uh, <laughs> items that were scheduled to be delivered mid year are nicely, you know, up in our, in our facility right now which we normally store snow this time of the year, but um, now we have fiber spools, we have conduit, we have ample of everything. So let's so. talk about that for a second. Like, does that just like show up? Is there like a UPS guy who's like, hey, I got a couple trucks here for you. Do you get a warning on it? What happens? Oh no, Some, sometimes they knock on the door and like, hey, we got three semis sitting out here. You need to unload them. And um, yeah, that's <laughs> that sounds brutal. Like, Whoa, that was- I don't know. Travis, you have some major glitching. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're pretty We got to give him five seconds for a new star satellite to get over him. Yep. You right, know what's great now? is I can't even hear Travis while you're like nodding and like agreeing to the stories. I have no idea what he's saying. Really? <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can hear him just fine. I, that was great. I don't know. I can hear you too. I can't hear Travis. 
You guys look you look fine to me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, Did you hear that? Symmetrical. Mm-hmm. She's not hearing him at all. That's so weird. The rest of us are hearing him just fine. Why? Yeah. Give <laughs> muted Travis. Maybe she has a Travis filter on her computer. Yeah, that's probably that's probably likely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, most most people I to... most people I know do. So yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what he's saying. <laughs> All right. Well, Travis, let's get back to where you were when you broke up and I interrupted you. So um, it's a major problem when people send stuff ahead of time, but you're getting stuff ahead of time from when you ordered it. And Kim's going to have to read your lips. Yeah, yeah. This (laughs) this has been an interesting year, let's just so far. And we're only, uh, what, one month into it? Lots of product available right now. I don't know if these, Doug, maybe you know, were these manufacturers gearing up for all this government handout and it hasn't been handed out yet or what's going on? That's part of it because they all did step up their manufacturing. And, of course, they've got the year-end thing because when they deliver it to you, they want their money, right? Oh, so yeah. They're pulling, they're pulling revenue back from the summer to now. And that's, and that's really a crappy thing to do you if you don't want it till July. That's terrible. Well, so I mean – the, the trouble is if you don't take delivery of it, you won't get it in July. So Well – Exactly. You have to take it and then you whine about it. But I'm also telling him, hey, money's not cheap anymore. So just to have it sitting around, there's a serious cost to just have it sit there for six months. Absolutely. Those debates are happening. You're just going to have to build in the snow. (laughs) Not this year. You can't even, Travis, you're missing it. But like, uh, I think we're, we must be close to four weeks of not seeing our streets. Um, Wow. It's brutal with just, I mean, there's like between like, I mean, you know, the variance anywhere is, uh, is I would say between two to four inches, two to six inches of ice in different places. It's all just um, all kinds of lumps and nastiness up here. Um, so Well, it must be because I got a phone call the other day say, would you mind if we took the bobcats out so we could dig out the handholes? It, it's usually a shovel works, but this year they need the bobcats out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're we got buried with uh, one of the largest snowfalls in a long time. Uh, Kim is resetting her <laughs> Wi-Fi. I'm guessing, seeing if she can. And nobody can hear. Right. And nobody can hear Travis. It'll be an interesting show. I'm assuming yeah. that everyone can hear Travis I, except for, I hear, except I hear, for I us. It had to be her router. Yeah, it's always yeah. wireless, isn't it? It is always well, always yeah. So that's one of the things when I'm when I'm doing these boot camps, I'll be talking to people and um, usually using a wireless mic, and I'll just wander around and wait for the mic to act funky, and I'll be like, "See, and this is why we talk about fiber more than we talk about wireless." <laughs> Travis, say something so we can see if Kim can hear you. <laughs> Shut up! I think I can hear you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hey, how, how's that, Kim? Is that better? Yeah, I can hear you now, and I can see you. You were a spinning ball of black box, and everybody was just like nodding to what you had to say. I was like, I really <laughs> well, the good news is it wasn't that interesting, so you didn't miss. All right, <laughs> we're gonna move on to the good stuff. Um, well, in a little while. <laughs> the first thing is, I thought people might be interested. We talked about this before. Charter Spectrum got hit with that lawsuit where they had employed a person who kind of had a, a history that it seemed like maybe Charter should have been aware of and instability. That person, I believe, murdered someone that they were on site for. Charter got sued. Got the 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 family got awarded billions upon billions of dollars. The state of Texas, I think, wasn't going to let.
let that happen. But anyway, like shareholders were freaking out and it's all resolved more or less, but um, they have come to some kind of undisclosed agreement and it, that, that agreement payout is uh, covered by charters insurance. So um, that's kind of how that got resolved for people who are tuning in week after week to find out what happened there. <laughs> Do we know they were the never, they were never, they were never going to pay billions. Never. So, yeah. yeah. But what was Kim, the final? What was the final? It was undisclosed. It, undisclosed. It's a secret under under seal NDA. Um, but the family, the family and charter came to an agreement. So. So um, I had submitted a uh, challenge to the FCC maps be availability challenge because wait, wait. Rice says Rice says it was two hundred sixty-two million. So there was an amount announced. Um, I thought that that was what it got reduced to, but I don't think that was the final amount. I think mm -hmm. they a judge had reduced it, which is like pretty common in these things, and then. Um, the family and charter came to an agreement that is presumably still less than that. Uh, that would be within charter's insurance policy. They probably um, said take, take the lower amount and get an hour, stick with 262 and get after 11 years of appeals, right? Probably. Yeah, it could be. Right. Um, so I, um, uh, I, was have been waiting so like i had um i had inquired with nextera uh, uh the company that was claiming to offer gigabit symmetrical service to my home over on the fcc map uh and uh i was surprised to hear that um i looked at their website and their website so talks about two megabit or three megabit service for a lot of money over uh, with a two or three year contract um so i requested it somewhere around december 12th december 14th i don't have it right in front of me and then after i didn't hear from them for two weeks i then submitted a, a complaint or a, a challenge on the fcc map with that information and about 30 days after that i got a note here from nextera in which they were like hey thanks for your interest we're gonna this we could dispatch a, a technician to do a survey you have to do a survey before we can tell you what you can actually get which I think is actually not what is allowed within the form, within the reporting it's guideline. Not, it's not, no. Yeah, so they're already violating the rules of the map. Uh, the options for me to consider are there, the lower range now is five megabit down, two megabit up. A two-year term is $155, but I could knock that down to $130 with a three-year term. The fastest service that they quote is 50 megabits down, 15 up, and that's a $250 a month with a three-year term. Um, these are all dedicated quotes, so this is not oversubscription, which makes me think, again, this is not a residential service. There is an installation fee of $250. Um, and uh, asked me if I had questions. So I said, well, I'm curious about a symmetrical gigabit because that's what you told the FCC you could do to my house. And uh, she wrote back to me quickly this time and said that uh, surveys required to verify what could be available, da da da, da. But she says for the gigabit service, it is not already in place for a residential area. Would you like to be contacted for scheduling a survey? And I was like, yeah, sure, survey me. And so then she got back and said, oh, I'd like to have a little more information on your usage and da, 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 da. And it would be around $1,000 a month on a three-year term for that. Is that what I have in mind? And a reminder that this is uh, um, 
dedicated and would require additional build out of backhaul, uh, which again is just totally in contravention of the rules. So uh, I don't know what's happening next with my FCC complaint, um, but the FCC had forwarded it to them to resolve. I presume they're going to tell the FCC that they've resolved it, uh, but they're going to keep telling everyone they can do gigabit symmetrical. And then US Telecom is going to tell everyone how wonderful the United States is because of all these options that are available in the market. So now, that's first, all I, first of all, I can tell you what they're if you they actually gave it to you, they're going to give you a point to point radio, Travis. Mm -hmm. And of course, that would mean they have to have a tower that can see you. And they don't get very many slots on those towers for those connections. No, so not in St. Paul. <laughs> no. So, th so maybe they can serve three or four people. So they will sell you that if if they have a slot for you, it's going to be a thousand dollars a day. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet if it, I told Travis I'd give him a thousand dollars for a three-year contract, he'd probably find a solution for me. But too. the rule, but the rules say they have to be able to serve you within ten days to be on the map. Yeah, yeah, and and depends on how long. They yeah, and, and they didn't claim in there. They claim fixed wireless, right? They didn't claim point point wireless. That's a totally different technology. So. You have to fight to not let them close that complaint because the FCC is supposed to hear back from the two of you. So, so they needed additional backhaul, like construction, which means they don't have fiber to the tower. Yeah, it's, it, like, it's not even a fiber to the whole situation. It's a fiber. They don't even have fiber to the tower yet. To the tower? No, they they, they don't have fiber to the tower. Yeah, so yeah. this is where I mean I feel like when I, before we started the show I was just saying I was trying to find something I thought I had read something with um, with uh, Chairwoman Rosenworcel bragging about how the maps were better. She wasn't saying they were perfect, but she was saying that they were a lot better. And I and I was just saying I don't find that that's true. Doug, you said you thought they were worse, and so let's well, just I, talk I, about that for a second. Yeah, I think they're worse because you're trying to get my blood pressure up, and so I'm going to take the bait. <laughs> when when you dig down into them. They give you a false sense of security being accurate because they show all these dots and then each dot you can see who's there. But once you actually know a community, you go, that's not true. They're not there, just like you're one. And so, so an awful lot of this stuff is imaginary. And a lot of that is wireless, not all of it. The old maps, <clears throat> some of the worst abuses in the old maps actually got kind of cleaned up here in the last year. Like all of a sudden, Century Link and Frontier started telling kind of the truth in there. And so, but, but, and, but man, the wireless guys have gone absolutely nuts in this new reporting. Um, I think the only thing that got cleaned up that I can see is, you know, the old map of reporting by census blocks, the, it looks like the cable areas had huge coverage that has gotten cleaned up. So if you go to the edge of Minneapolis, wherever the cable stops, you can see that now, mm -hmm. but, I mean, but it's a disaster there. I mean, I mean, you've, we've been passing all the blogs around, you know, according to, to, uh, some folks they're missing 40 million locations. They're not even on the map. They're 40 million? You mean like in million. total? Like, yeah, because and that's because they're reporting. Well, first off, they're just missing places, but then they're they're putting one point for an apartment complex and not instead of all the people there. Well, that that's the way three. the map is designed for, for I better know, for, I know. for better info. But, but, but the whole point of the map was to count the number of people with without broadband. You can't count that if you don't actually say how many customers that is. It's it's right. a way worse map. Well, and, we're, and the, the thing is, is we're supposed to have a challenge process and, and Kim. And it's I, not working at all. Yeah, that's because. what I was just going to ask Kim about, because, I mean, the what I'm hearing is that it's awful. And I, I was just in um, 
Uh, we did a tribal broadband boot camp at Gila River, south of Phoenix. It was a wonderful event. Just lots of great people doing great work. But uh, some of the people who were there were from uh, the Navajo reservation, and um, and they were talking about how they had been going through and painstakingly figuring out like all the, all these different corrections. And, and my impression is, and I want to go back and try and document this better, but like they did all this work. And then the FCC was like, nope, 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 nope. Well, you saw the Connexon blog by John Chambers. He put in like 17 or 18,000 challenges. And I know he was meticulous in doing so. Yeah. They only took five, they only took 5% of them. I mean, I've crazy. talked to a lot of communities around the country, and a lot of them just are not even like bothering with it because they don't think it's well, no. going to be taken seriously, and all of their efforts are just going to be like, meh, whatever, you're wrong. Oh, well, and so we figured out that they're not going to help with this funding anyhow. They have nothing to do yeah. with this funding. Well, so, <laughs> but now this is, I don't want to keep reopening this, but an FPO told me that no, some of these would be considered, they might be updated. So we're trying to get a question into the top of the FCC via some of our allies to say like definitive, will someone just tell us definitively? Because like, I feel like every time I get something definitive, another person that's even higher ranking is like, eh, no, actually we're going to consider them. And I'm like, how? It doesn't seem like that even works in your process. It can't be because the ISPs are out busy doing the next data input on the current. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. That that's more portals already open. People are already submitting the next BDC updates, so they can't be considered. And what drives me nuts, and I feel like this is where where I feel like people like Travis like really just they they don't want to be involved in any political stuff at all. Is I feel like this is a disaster. It's really poorly done, and yet I feel like we still have people patting themselves on the back about how far they've right. come, right? And and I just like I'm like I think there's all these people who are like, wait, like this isn't working at all, but it's supposed to be better and. It's just well, then, this and, is, and we this have is for Democrats who want to know why people freak out and hate government. Yeah. This is yeah. the sort of stuff that you just can't get right. And then we're all going to all these people are pretending that it does work when, in fact, it doesn't. I mean, and I was, we have the FCC and the FTIA telling different stories. That's always helpful. Yeah. So, so can I rewind just a little bit here and ask a couple of basic fundamental questions? What was the purpose of these maps? Originally, it was to count the number of people with and without broadband. Count. But let's be specific. So, Travis, the government's going to put $42.5 billion into new physical networks to to improve service for those who don't have basic service. Has to They have to then figure out how much to give to each state based because they're going to allocate it based on the need. And so they need to have a count of the number of facilities that need to be upgraded and generally where they are to have a cost model to estimate what the cost will be to connect them. Okay. So here's where I'm going with it. So we de- they developed these maps. Now, we know that every major metropolitan area in, in the country is going to be immediately disqualified. Right, except for like little windows that these maps are supposed to reveal. Because there's probably like, you know, like two or 3% of these areas are legitimately unserved because they're just in between networks or weird things that yes. happen. But generally, I mean, yes. I, I crawled around every street in my city and I found like 20 little pockets of people who did not have broadband at all. So, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'm just wondering because we're spending all this time and going through all these challenges, you know, in I'll just use Minneapolis for what? We're never going to qualify for any money. I mean, it's just like a bunch of busy work. So, are for... you getting challenges that you have to deal with, Travis? Oh yeah, yeah. Seriously. I, yeah. What's the volume? Like, are you getting what are, like? What? Tell me one of the challenges. I'm really interested. So, so basically, we had. Um, 10 gig of, you know, we, 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 we put, we do 10 gig everywhere. Well, one guy right around the corner that he goes, well, I don't have 10 gig available. I'm like, yeah, you do. 
but I can't give it to them in 10 days because it, there's freaking 40 feet of snow on the ground, right? So, but I'm sitting here going, why am I doing this? I'm, there's no benefit to us at all. And it also seemed, made me think, is this a huge distraction for the people that build these maps and manage the maps where they should be using their resources for the areas that are actually unserved? I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, fundamentally, are we wasting our time with this yep. whole map? I think what's happening right now is the communities who are waiting for these maps and the bead money or whatever, what's really happening is that there's a lot of this private equity who's going in and building those networks out right now because they're just out there building instead of waiting for the maps and the money and all the bureaucracy. I think that's what you, what I am seeing in some communities is that people are just not waiting to deal with this BS at this point. And my dad always told me BS was building supplies, by the way. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm just curious. No, Travis, your, point, your point is exactly right. And that's what Alan Fitzpatrick is saying here, too. I feel like, like I find it incredibly frustrating that we're spending a lot of time fighting over maps. A map is not going to improve anyone's service. It doesn't actually tell us a bunch. So we have this story that we're going to talk about. We'll talk about it right now with Chatham County in uh, North Carolina, where I have a 51-day outage for some people. And other parts of North Carolina where Suddenlink is, the network barely works, right? Cable One's networks often don't work. The maps don't capture any of that reliability issue. These are maps in which we are just fighting over whether how honest the ISPs are about what they advertise to people without knowing any other crucial things about them. And yeah, and the reason we're doing this is because the FCC has totally failed and is enthralled to the big cable and telephone companies who want us to keep fighting about maps. So yes, on the other hand, Travis, I feel like some level of data collection is necessary at some point. So that's what I'm. Well, Travis, sure. Travis, you're two questions away from getting them gone. Come on, buddy. Well, no, I, I just, it's, it's just <laughs> you know, you ever want to dis disincentivize people from interacting with government on any program? Do this program here because why bother? Well, no, I was trying at, to figure. Out, I was trying to figure out what the penalty was if we didn't report. I think at, the penalty at, is that you would not be able. Well, the penalty, the penalty yeah. for Travis would be that if he does not comply with this, he would not be eligible for uh, future funds from the FCC. Uh, that might be the ACP. It might be other things, but that would be their hammer, I would assume, uh, okay. in order okay. to punish I'll, Travis. I'll, I'll, well, they, they have an unspecified penalty, but they are allowed to penalize you. Kim? Um, question. But I get, I get, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Yes, I get your point about the maps, Travis, but how the heck are you supposed to disseminate this money if you have no basis of what where somebody has connectivity and where they don't? Are you just supposed to give it to the states and just like say, hey, there it is? That's what I would do. You know what? It would be easier for Kim and I to build Rhode Island than it would be Alaska. So give give Alaska their percentage based on the square, you know, how many square miles that is. Let the state figure it out. And I, I think that would have been a better answer. I mean, I, I, I do feel like that would have led to inequities, but it would be, have been better to be moving quickly, get money out, and, and, and then deal with the, the aftermath of that rather than this very bureaucratic, um, slow-moving problem that is just going to drag on and on and on. Uh, so, Kim, I, don't, I mean, I think, you know, we had bad data. And I don't know that the good data is going to result in, like, really significant differences. So I would have said... There's Get never the money out there. Good data. Never going to be good data. ISPs aren't going to tell the truth. But this and is I the thing, right? Like, so this is what this is where states could actually step in, and states could say, "Give us your data." And if we find that you're lying to us, you don't get any money. 
you don't get any money for the build out. And so for some like Travis, maybe they're not going to participate, but who the hell cares? US, Travis is in Minneapolis where most people have another option. That's not what worries me. You know, what I'm interested in is like, how do the rural co-ops react? Because those are the ones that I want to be getting this money to, because I think they're going to build the networks that'll last for 50 and 60 years. And they're furious about these maps because they've been putting in the challenges and getting rejected. So yeah, Travis Trav has a question. He's so well, no, I, no, you know, and I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer because I would love these 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 dollars, these once in a life, what do you call them, once in a lifetime dollars to actually fix the rural area, because then maybe for once we could have the conversation on the rest of us about in and maybe instead of talking about just can you get twenty five three, is internet reliable in low income housing in Minneapolis? No, it isn't. So maybe there'll be a future once in a lifetime program that the rest of us can utilize. Right. And that's where, I mean, I'll, you know, this is one of the things that drives me crazy because, I mean, I was just in Los Angeles where Los Angeles County has real leadership from the County Board of Supervisors, which is trying to solve this issue and actually being pretty sharp about <laughs> it with grassroots involvement. Uh, City of Minneapolis puts in their priorities for the first time that there's a massive government, um, uh, there's massive surplus for Minnesota's budget. Uh, there is uh, uh, the Democrats are in control of everything. And so the Democrats could decide to put a little bit of money into the Twin Cities and are Minneapolis and St. Paul asking for anything for public housing or to make sure that low-income people are connected? Not as far as I can tell. It's not on the agenda. What's on the agenda is telling people that Travis is racist, but not actually doing anything productive to get people of color connected. Think, and it's infuriating. Might, I think you might want to go back and tell the story of that instead of just dropping that Travis is racist. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I, I get accused of that all the time, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm no, I mean, I think people understand. We've talked about it enough. And for people who are new, Travis is building out, wants to serve every address in Minneapolis. Uh, and and every time someone wants to do a dramatic story in a left-leaning um, newspaper type of thing, like a weekly, uh, they just look at maps and they're like, look, Travis is in like some areas that are wealthy and some areas that are not. He's not in areas that are not wealthy and, and white. So he must be racist. Which, which isn't even true, but they just like to say that. So Right. That's the point is that the neighborhoods that you got filleted for not being in like five and six years ago, you're in now. But it's other neighborhoods that prove that you're a terrible person. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. But, but, you know, your whole point, when I talk to a lot of these cities, here's what they say. We don't have time to go chasing dollars for broadband. Yeah. And, and no. I'm sympathetic. They have they have other they have other more pressing issues than well, they do have know, other pressing issues. But to a certain extent, like this is where like I mean, when I was talking with folks, I think this was in San Antonio. Maybe it was in. I say this everywhere. Like if it was Jessica Rosenworcel's children that weren't connected, if it was, you know, if it was Biden's grandchildren that didn't have an internet, connect, internet connection, there would be a priority on it. They'd be solving it. Are you kidding me? Like, like this is not a priority because nobody cares about these children. And, and not only that, one of the reasons we have the crime we do is because <coughs> children notice when nobody cares about them. Right. I mean, I, 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 this is one of those things. This is your rant. I hope you're enjoying it. Cause like one of the things that I'll sometimes say to people is, is that, um, you know, these children that are growing up in these marginalized neighborhoods and on the reservation, they feel like nobody cares about them and society's not looking out for them. And the reason that they feel that way is because nobody cares about them and society's not looking out for them. Like they're perceiving reality correctly, right? Nobody cares if they're going to school. And this is a gross generalization. There's lots of great parents on the reservation and in these neighborhoods, but there's plenty of kids who recognize correctly there is no future for them. Nobody's going to help them get to a, a get to a four-year or two-year like post-secondary education and get a good job. They're basically stuck and they are correctly perceiving that. <laughs> 
And, and that's just like this issue. And so like, I don't want to hear there's no resources. It's an issue of priorities. And if it was white kids in the suburbs that didn't have internet access, the problem would have been solved by now. Tell me I'm wrong. I want to hear it. Oh, I just want to rant I, I, because we I, forgot I, I, we forgot about global warming and we're all going to die. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I wanted to commend you on an amazing rant. It was very passionate. That was good. That was good. Yeah, it was very, very good rant, Chris, Christopher. Um, I have a question, and this goes back to um, something when you were talking about the states getting the money. If the states got the money, would you think that some of the um, state broadband directors that left during when NTIA you know, was in the push to get more people. Do you think they would have stayed if like more of the power stayed with the states of just getting the money and disseminating it how they will? I don't know. I don't think so. Most of the people left left for a real big pay raise. Yeah, they they got like probably like (laughs) two or three times additional funds and recognized correctly that the states were going to heap a lot more responsibility on them without the the support that they would need. Um, You know, it's... It's hard to, to fill these offices out. I, um, I, I kind of disagree. If you, if you had a broadband office that was funded with a tremendous and you were, you know, and you wanted to do good, I think you'd stick around and get it deployed for a well, lot some of Some of them have. Some people are. Yeah. Doing that. yeah. But, if, but, if, but if you're going to fight this uphill battle forever and look at these maps, you know, this is the, this is the genius of the whole thing. None of this money's ever going to go out because the maps are always going to be bad. So, you know, if, so if you're, if you're the current incumbent, this is exactly the right answer. Oh, the maps, the money's going to be announced on June 30th. And then that, which means by about the July 6th, there will be lawsuits over it. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is, this is genius. Yeah. This will, nothing's yeah, going to happen. Right. So um, Peggy notes that indeed that the FCC um, is, was required to produce maps and NTIA has to use them. I'll just note that NTIA could have just moved boldly ahead. Um, NTIA has more wiggle room than it's using. And I know that because there's like tribes that were supposed to get cut a check two years ago per statute, and they haven't. And NTIA, like no one's putting NTIA in jail for ignoring the statute. These things get moved around. It's a political issue. Um, and NTIA is acting uh, the way that it can. And um, yeah, Travis. <laughs> I'm feeling a bet. You want to make a bet, Chris? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're three weeks or four weeks away from me losing the last bet for the third time. Right. Here's my <laughs> prediction. Utopia slash USI will hook up more customers in 2023 than the entire once-in-a-lifetime grant program combined. Well, oh, yeah, that's, easy. Be, that's absolutely no, true. Not there, even there, won't any, there won't be any. <laughs> okay, there how about 2024? Uh, 2024 is, that could be interesting. <clears throat> that's okay. an interesting bet. That's okay. For All right. So I, I, I changed my bet. Kim and I will hook up more actual users that actually get a high quality product between now and the end of 2024 than the 45 kajillion dollar handout from the federal government will do. I like how you I'm being dragged it? into this bet with no say into it. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> let's go hey, hey, we're getting free chicken wings from Chris. <laughs> you want to bet, Chris? Yeah, I'll take that bet. I mean, I think it'd be curious. So, I mean, we're talking about that you think that in 2024, there will be, I mean, the, the order of magnitude is like, I would say between 10 and 100,000 homes is what I would expect USI Fiber and Utopia to sign up in 2024, somewhere in that area. So you're betting that there will be fewer than 100,000 homes connected with bead dollars in 2024. 100%. So that's how we'd operationalize the bet. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to even that's, give them all 2023. Right, 2023, 20, but no money's going out in 2023, so it doesn't matter. 
Um, it's really 2024. So some, the question is, will some states get the money out fast enough and get hookups? Now I had heard, and I don't know, is this, it might not have been with bead dollars, but I had heard that South Carolina is planning on distributing money as a, um, uh, to ISPs that already connected people. So like if you had connected people six months ago, some in, under this program, ISPs may be able to go and get money from the state to reimburse them for that. Um, that is something that was new. And someone was asking me if it was possible. I don't know if they're planning on it or it's definite or what. I've not heard that one, but I'll check it out. Yeah. Can we add more to the bet? Yeah. Kim and I will spend less money than they spent on the maps doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that's also not a hard one to win, Travis, but sure, let's add that in. Chris, you should take the you should take the bet for 24. Because <laughs> okay. what I think is gonna what I think is gonna happen is the states who are only getting $100 million will get their money, and they will get some people hooked up. Yeah, like so, Vermont, I think, and others yeah. will be, like, moving quick, I think. Right, once they get the money. Kim, Kim we got this nailed. This so Alan easy. says, yeah, on the ah. South Carolina plan, apparently they're doing a looking backward, which is, like, I mean, at this point, we're into, like, this is, like, straight up, like, slush fund. Like, I mean, we're not even trying to get new people connected. We're just going to reward people that have political power. That's That's what that is. I think that was called path two. Yeah. Yeah. Are we talking hundreds of people or what? What are we talking in South Carolina here? Uh, We'd probably be talking about thousands, maybe tens of thousands, I would assume, could be the scale. Can we add Alan in for two minutes and find out? Yeah. Is that allowable? Right. Do you want to? He was on that call today where they talked about it. Right. If you want to see if you can work out with uh, Alan, you should have his email address. um, uh, If you can get him online, Uh, we'll see. We'll bring him in um, at that point if we're able to. (laughs) Um, so one of the other things, oh, I would, I did want to note, um, my problem is with next Terra, Doug, you were not surprised to hear that. I think you're, you were telling me this is not a St. Paul issue with next Terra. No, no, they've, they've reported those kinds of speeds over the place. And so that, you know, that's what's funny is their reaction to your questions. They're like, oh yes, sir. We can do that. <laughs> Except we have to break all the rules of the FCC mapping to do it, but sure, we can do that. <laughs> right. And then alone, there's a wireless they, company. They never backed off. They never backed down. There's a wireless company doing similar things in California, and the CPUC is like is well aware of it. And uh, the CPUC, I think, has access to how many subscribers they have in different areas. And they're like, "You're advertising all this stuff. You don't have a single subscriber anywhere near there. Like, what are you doing?" Right. And the question in my mind is, what is the CPUC going to do about it? Because the states can act. Whether it's the CPUC, the California legislature, states have the authority to change the rules and say, if you if you're going to lie to us on the maps, if you're going to give us data that is not correct, we will not let you get bead funding or any other broadband funding. Uh, the question is, whether other states will do that? Right, but they probably well, they certainly have that ability for state grant money. It's questionable about the bead, but they can certainly try. Yeah, I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll do anything. Yeah. I think there might be a few states, but I think most of them won't do anything. I don't think it, they're going to say it's not worth our time. We just want to get money out. And the ones who are going to take it, we know some of it's not going to be used correctly. There's Alan. Hey, Alan. Tell us about South Carolina. Good to see you. And, and for, for people who aren't already, aware, Alan, I'll just knows? quick quick intro. Alan's been on the show before. Alan has uh, uh, been, long been in this uh, sector and is running Open Broadband, uh, an ISP that started off in North Carolina, but it's kind of popping up in different places uh, and a uh, mixture of fire, fiber and fixed wireless. Alan's ears may not yet be on. Ah. Hey, Alan, can you hear us now? Cool. What's going on in North Carolina? No, South Carolina. 
Sorry, you're coming in really low. Really low. Yeah. It's like a Kim connection right now. It almost was like Travis lip syncing. Yeah. <laughs> I just think while he's coming on, I think this is just a PR tactic so they don't have to talk about the murder trial that's happening that looks like makes South Carolina look like a buffoon right now as my state that I went to college in. Oh, come on now. That's like the eighth state that you have some sort of personal tie to. <laughs> She's lived everywhere. Um, everywhere. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and did we find you, Alan, so they can stop the spotlight off me right now? Okay. You can hear me now. No, it sounds like the, the mic Not is uh, obscured, like you have the wrong input coming in. Um, I'm going to drop you for a second and um, see if we can work that out. We'll bring you back in another minute. Um, the railroads, I thought could be a quick issue. Um, what, uh, there was a issue in, uh, in Virginia, I feel like, and, uh, this is something that we had, um, we had talked about before on the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, so we're Muni Networks, we highlighted some legislation in, in South Dakota and in Minnesota, some other places where they had tried to make sure that railroad crossings weren't stopping rural broadband. So, uh, any quick thoughts on that for anyone? I run into it almost weekly. Um, you know, railroads charge a lot of money and take a lot of time. It could take four to six months just to get rights for a crossing. And then they charge you 10, 15, 20,000 bucks. And, and, and usually there's no chance of you disturbing them because you either dig way far under them or you put it overhead way above the height of the trains, but they, it's just a way to extract money. The places where it's pathetic is there's a, this country has a massive amount of railroad mm -hmm. lines don't work anymore they're completely they're abandoned yeah these big holding companies have bought them up and that's their only revenue on these lines mm -hmm. are the crossing monies and they and they hold you up to complete highway robbery and they say it's a safety issue it's like um there hasn't been a train on this line for 20 years and you still can't cross it legally a lot of people just do it then they just go screw you i'm just gonna cross that's what i was gonna say doug i think they yeah. need to separate the issue i think the issue needs to be active lines versus yes. inactive lines. Yes, and, the, and the legislation ought to say that you can't charge to cross inactive lines, period. That's the end of it. Uh, it's absolutely right. Now, what some of these guys do is they run a one car, little tiny engine across these things every decade to say that they're in use. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> it's a racket. I mean, this is- It's this a is racket. Big, I, I, mean, like, I mean, these guys yeah. nationwide must be making a billion dollars on these fees. And no, you have to- Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, yeah. it's crazy. And this is where when Congress screws up, it really screws up, right? But yeah, if you ever wonder like why things are for 99 years, it's because it's a hell of a lot better than in perpetuity, right? Yes. Like, and that's the problem with the railroads is that they were made gods by Congress, uh, by a corrupt Congress, if you can imagine such a thing. And, um, and, and we have to deal with it. And I'm frustrated, but uh, states have some power and the federal government could do more to rein in that power, uh, but they do not. Kim, how do, how do you guys handle rail crossings? I mean, we, we do, we're doing everything like that Doug just said, you're having to pay whatever outrageous fee they, they request and you have to wait the timeline. And it is ridiculous, but I'm just saying, I just was thinking is what are the railroad systems or the holding companies going to do to um, like try to go around this legislation in Virginia that they're proposing? Cause I think they're going to try to do something. I don't well, know what it will. is, but I don't they think just, that they're they won't just say, swallow it. No, yeah. Yeah. It will be so what we do, what, what, what we do, and I would recommend people that are building. So we have our, we're permitting our 2024 railroad crossings right now. And the other thing that we find easier with railroads is <clears throat> where people get caught up, especially fiber builders, 
is they want to run multiple ducts under the railroad. Run one four inch they under the railroad, and you'll you'll find that permitting is quite a bit easier. So you do one four inch, do it a year in advance, and it's it. So th- it was frustrating a couple of years ago. It's actually not that bad now. You just got to be organized. Is all I would you, say. You have to put the correct timelines in what you're putting anticipated timelines when you're doing though. I in yeah. in those schedules. I agree with that, Travis. But I think it's when you when they go above that, like say if it's a year and a half, which we you know we've we've seen, yeah. is then you try to tell a consumer or a customer, potential customer, because we have all our timelines on their website, and say, oh sorry, we're waiting for a permit, and then it takes six months because residents don't understand permitting no, processes. No. And, uh, and, and if we really want to get talking about it, then talk about bridges, which are way worse. So. Are bridges <laughs> worse than railroads? They can be. They, I know someone who waited seven years to get a Mississippi River crossing. <laughs> From who? Huh? Who? Whoever owns the crossing, which is either state or federal, one of them. Yeah, I think. That well, yeah, we state. find if, if there's already a conduit on the bridge, it's pretty easy. But if the conduit's not right. taken, yes. oh man. So what it's, I would recommend people do is, if you're envisioning a bridge crossing in your next three years, go do a site survey of the bridge and basically grab grab the whatever conduits free run your fiber over because once you have it it's yours it's those bridges that are empty or that are full oh man now you're in trouble yes all right i think we can bring uh, alan back in hey alan hello everyone can you hear me yeah, yeah i can hear you now works. now you're good all right excellent okay, so thanks for know. the impromptu uh, addition here yeah, and I don't know if you could hear, but I introduced you as a as a just terrible person who's trying to get rich as fast as possible in the backs of uh, <laughs> poor rural folks in North Carolina. Oh yeah, gosh, that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly what he said too. Just... <laughs> that that's a bad business plan, I tell you. No, we're happy to get people connected who need to get connected. So that's what we do. So uh, on South Carolina, there was a webinar uh, this morning, and they are retroactively giving grants uh, for deployments between March fifteenth of twenty one and June 30th of 22. And those dates were set from the times that the state or the ARPA grants were announced and uh, given to the state, but the state didn't have their plan together yet. So that's why they were uh, retroactively going back. I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but that was the general idea. And, and actually that's not ringing a bell because at the time they, they prompted people to go ahead and build any house. And now they're finally getting around to giving money they should have given it to them in the first place. That's, so not quite, someone, that's not as bad as what it sounded like at first, because they, they, they really did push these folks to go ahead and build. So, Okay, so Alan, how do you how do you react to that? Do you think it's reasonable? I think it's a reward for people who already did work that are looking for a handout. Because <laughs> that's my question is that like, is it really going to lead to more investment? I'm I'm always worried about the companies that take that money and run as opposed to like where you I'm sure are going to put it back into your network if you got it. Right, right. It's a pool of up to 25 million and it's only a partial reimbursement and you have to submit all of your invoices. So that might be a challenge for people that weren't diligent about uh, collecting Mm -hmm. their expenses along the way. Okay. Uh, It had to be wireline and it had to be at least 100 by 100 smudger. Uh, Alan, I just want to like commend you for telling us how you really think about the program. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was inspired by Chris's rant. So I just wanted to be honest here, right? Hey, Alan, you want in on uh, Kim and my's bet? There's a lot of chicken wings coming. Uh, Yeah, I liked your bet, Travis. That was a good one. Well, we're going to bankrupt Chris. I'm worried, though. So we might need to get his wife sign off on future uh, future bets. (laughs) I'll take your side of it. 
Yeah. I'm taking. Well, I'm taking. I'm taking Chris's side. So since we're oh, both in the middle, oh, North Carolina, Alan and I might have our own bet here. There Folks, you go. We can buy wings. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I do believe that there will be more bead money spent in 24, and I think it'll come from the states who get a guaranteed 100 million, Travis. They're going to go ahead and get it out the door. So. Yeah, but do you think I, I'm just guessing because it also could be zero. It also could be zero. So I mean, it's oh, possible. you know, the states, the states will mess around for years too. So it's possible. I'm it's actually possible. talking customers I that are hooked up. I, I understand. I understand. Yeah. I understand. If they can pull up Google, that's a customer. Nothing else counts. I'm talking actual uh, customers. I'm I'm with you. Okay. I, think I'm right. I think I'm taking Chris's side on that bet. Ooh, this is getting good. I think Mitchell froze. No, you did. Or I did. Oh, he might have, too. Oh, he's yeah. gone. We're in charge again. Alan, do you, want, right. to your, you want to lead this session now that he's gone? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go, Alan. You're up. <laughs> well, let me tell you about this uh, uh, lack of focus on competition. You know, there's so much focus on ACP. There's focus on, you know, the underserved but not on competition. And competition is where better pricing is going to come from. That's where better speeds are going to come from. That's where better service and reliability are going to come from. And when you have Alan, more people, did I tell you that yeah, for you nicely? You, you, as, you and I know this as well as everybody else. Competition is called overbuilding and nobody wants to yes. overbuild in this country. I mean, it's competition is going to be the way a lot of those prices go down and people get more, get better services. But in the rural areas, that's probably not going to happen in a lot of cases, and that's no, what we're, really sucks we're, about rural America. We're funding, we're funding rural monopolies here. That's what we're mm -hmm. doing. So, yep. Yeah, Michael Douglas had that saying, greed is good, right, in the old movie Wall Street, if you ever watched that. Any takers? Anybody remember that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, I believe overbuilding is good. You know, it leads to competition, leads to choices. Overbuilding is a good thing. How did it ever be considered negative? It only got to be considered negative by incumbents. But we, but we got our, um, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the logistics of overbuilding. That's, I think that's where the fundamental problem is. Most local government um, employees that work there were never around when the gas lines were put in, the water lines, the sewer lines, the cable networks. All they do is little spur permits. When you, when you come along with a permit to go up and down every single street, you, you better have pretty, um, pretty thick skin to deal with what's coming your way because it's going to be a lot of work and a lot of people fighting against you to make it happen at, at a city level. So it's interesting that models like Utopia and Lit Community might solve that. I, I'd be curious because for like Utopia, and I don't know about you, Alan, we when we're building in multiple cities at the same time because we don't want to overwhelm the permitting department because yeah. they're just going to yeah. like go crazy. So we're like, we'll have crews here and here but you can't, we can't be building in six different areas of the city at the same time, or the local um, employees or the government employees will. But you have an advantage, Kim, because these cities are on board with you doing it. And a lot of times they're not. That's that's where the issue comes. So, yeah. no, no, that's true. But even the ones that are on board struggle with it of us coming. Oh, in. well, because they still have, they still have the plant guy who's like, that's causing me extra work, man. So, exactly. Hey, Chris, I, uh, while you were gone, we let Alan take charge of the meeting. He no, I was just going to say that Alan yeah. was doing so well, I thought I'd take a quick break and turn my computer <laughs> off. <and expect laughs> 
How many people have not lost connectivity during this connectedness? Yeah, but mine was just my own. I have that today, but I often do. This is just one. I shouldn't have said that. I need wood to knock on somewhere. So, uh, so thank you, Alan, for, for coming in. Thanks for yeah, having I, me. I can drop off. <laughs> thank you. Well, actually, I want, I want to ask you, like, how are things looking in North Carolina? Um, North Carolina has been one that I think we've been frustrated with. Um, you know, I was noting the um, that uh, issue with Brightspeed, the the article that had just come out um, about uh, Chatham. And uh, and I felt it played in. I was noting, you know, this is an area that is considered served these long outages. Um, you know, the state of North Carolina looked like it was basically just trying to write as big of a check to charter spectrum as possible and not supporting you. Um, are, is anything changing in North Carolina from the perspective of letter of credit requirements or things that are really hostile to small companies? No, it hasn't gotten any better. And ironically enough, guess who won the North Carolina great grant for Chatham County last year? Uh, spectrum. Brightspeed. Oh, it was Brightspeed. Yeah. Well, they, they need it, obviously. Um, but, you know, it's this is just where I just I get really frustrated with uh, people who are like they're so focused on this idea of like what's going to happen over the next five years. They're just making decisions that are going to be um, harming communities for 50 years. I mean, this is what we're dealing with with the railroads was the short sightedness to give them all this power to control the future. And now we're just handing it to Wall Street investors via companies like Brightspeed and Charter. And it's Who's going to be surprised when Chatham County is not well served by them? No one should be. So is there are some. Yeah. Oh, good. I was going to say, Alan, and I don't know if Doug, you're, there's an FBA Fiber Broadband Association event in Raleigh next Tuesday. It will be interesting because a lot of network operators are going to be there. Um, it will be interesting the discussions that are happening in that happening in that room just because of what is happening in North Carolina. Yeah, that means that meaning it's mostly for purposes of getting the broadband training going it's that that's the issue there um but yeah. yeah i don't yeah but everyone's yeah, going to be talking about this you're bad so. mm -hmm. <laughs> all right there thank are, you alan sure oh, thank ahead. you last comment oh last comment is uh, there are new grants coming out in north carolina this year called the cab grants and they will have more input from the county level uh the normal grants were just state level decisions so we'll see if things get a little easier uh, with the we're county. trying to figure out what that means we're <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Bye, Thank everybody. So much. See ya. Thank you. All right. We got Starry's leaving Columbus and Google Fiber is going into Boise. Uh, Google Fiber is doing a lot of stuff. That web pass is still pretty active um, from what we can tell, though it was quiet for a while. Uh, but Google Fiber seems like they're going into more markets with their own money. Um, they're not. Uh, I feel like they're not finding as many takers for the partnerships. Um, this is uh, this is what Ting had found originally too, because Ting was like um, when when um, as I understand it, when they were talking with people, uh, local leaders, they were going and say, "Well, we could do it our way, and we'll do what we want, or we could do it your way, and then you'll have control of it forever." And people were like, "That seems like too much work. Why don't you just do what you want to do, do and we'll way. all be happy exactly. about it?" Right. That's what exactly what they're finding. Google has definitely got plans to expand. Um, so, but what, you know, what is? No, people don't realize it, but I, th I think they got seven, eight, nine hundred thousand customers. No one knows, talks about how big they are. They're yeah, large. I think they're bigger than most people realize. But my question <laughs> is: Is Alphabet announced twelve thousand um, layoffs a couple weeks ago? And when they looked at, if you looked under the fine print, it looked like Google Fiber was one of those sectors that was experiencing layoffs. And it's just interesting of. 
I think they're growing, but they, if they're laying off, where are they laying off and what markets are they laying off? Are there some that are more successful than others? And they're going to go into markets that make more sense um, from the, that mimic their existing successful markets. I, I think that's what I'm kind of just watching for. I know some folks that work at Google and they just think this was an across the board cut to make Wall Street happy because mm -hmm. their stock had dropped, it has nothing to do with the businesses. That's, that's the, that's the impression inside of Google. So. I'm okay with that. I bought Alphabet when they announced it. So I, I'm, and it's gone up since then. So I'm okay with that. If that was the reason. Oh, wow. She's pro. Okay. We now have it. She's pro layoff. You hear this, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Is that you know, going to get you going on a rant here? Come on. No, no, it's not. I mean, like, it's definitely, you know, it's one of those things. I remember in the 90s when I learned about the relationship of how the stock market improved when people lost their jobs. And, yeah. um, and now I've, I have a better appreciation of that. And so last year when I saw that, the, People were talking about how low the NASDAQ was and what was it? Who was the first one? There's one of the companies was the first to start laying people off. And uh, my reaction was basically, all right, so 2023 is going to be a year of a lot of layoffs. Um, you Twitter know, started the, it and boy, since then they all jumped on board, man, oh man. So, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's what's going to be happening here. Although many of those people will probably find other jobs. Uh, although I, I don't know, like, I feel like, you know, this is uh this is uh, something where I don't know, maybe there's a bet in here, Travis, but like, I feel like chat GPT is going to significantly change uh, a lot of the uh, like tech field and programmers and whatnot, because I think people who are good at programming and people who are good at like server administration stuff are going to become so much more effective with chat GPT. And I feel like in most places that, that I was familiar with, most of the coding got done by a very small number of people. And I feel like a lot of places are going to be laying off like Microsoft, um, I think they're going to be laying off people and they're gonna becoming more effective because of the new tools that are coming out. We can have a long talk offline because it's an hour conversation. I don't believe any of that's true, but yeah. That, yeah, yeah. All right. Then there's a bet coming. It's a long discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Doug, Doug and I sound like we're going to pair up on this one. So yeah. Yeah. Doug, Doug almost had a rant, even in his Ooh. Grateful Dead t-shirt. I mean, I don't know if we can handle a Doug rant in a Grateful Dead t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know. I almost had a rant on that. I mean, that's as ranty as I get. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll just note that uh, we just had a comment pop up there from one of my oldest friends on in this world, uh, who has been in the software business since we were in high school, and uh, he said, "I'm right." So, um, believe me, he likes to tell me when I'm wrong. So, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a screenshot of that. I've never seen those three words combined before. <laughs> uh, well, maybe they were in a different order, and that's not what he. Really yeah, said. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um also chris didn't learn anything in the 90s <laughs> um we have um uh the last thing i wanted to talk about which uh you know i'm curious if people have different reactions but like when i sit back and i think that um it's, it was about four years ago. Um, you know, I think at the end of February, early March, it was, uh, I was in Pennsylvania uh, and uh, the NBA canceled their season uh, that night. Uh, the, the, a few days earlier, March Madness had been postponed uh, in the middle of it. And, and I think we all realized the pandemic was going to be pretty serious. So that means that we are, we're one month away from starting the fourth year of the pandemic. And I feel like if the pandemic mutates over the summer and becomes much worse for kids, I don't think a lot of kids are in a different position for for, for like e-learning in the fall than they were four years ago. And that's pathetic, but I could be wrong. Other than state grants who have built some stuff, there's really been no real change. In fact, it's gotten much worse because remember what happened in the pandemic was a lot of 
counties gave away hotspots and whatever, and they got a lot of students connected. I work with some counties who literally got something to every student. They're not there anymore. They're gone. That was paid for out of the, what was that, the CARES grants? And so if it comes back and, and the government doesn't hand new money, on top of that, you know, in a lot of counties, they didn't have cellular coverage, so those didn't work. I don't think it's any better, except that there has been quite a bit of rural fiber built because of ARPA and CARES grants. So there will be pockets of places that got better. But, you know, most of rural is still not fixed. But, you know, it's there's reconnect places getting built now, and there's a long, long way to go. Yeah, so I, was I, I, would say, I would say maybe maybe 5% of all the places got fixed with fiber now. So it's only 95% is a problem. And in the cities, it, it didn't change at all. It didn't change. At all. That's what I'm saying. Like most of those, most of those kids yeah. are in cities. They're not in rural right? areas. And it didn't change. Yeah. The kids still don't have computers at home. Kim? They still don't have broadband yeah. at their house. Yeah. But don't you think that some of the anchor institutions got connected during the CARES funding and some of those kind of funding mechanisms that were coming out during that time, which yes, I think we're not you know, 50% better. I think we might be 10 to 15, but I don't think we're, I think we are better than we were when we started um, the, the first pandemic. Maybe I'm too there was a There was a lot of places who put Wi-Fi in their parking lots. So there'd be more kids sitting in cars. There are a lot more places do have that. So. Yeah. But even now, I mean, I feel like I've been to Mayo Clinic facilities and they're a part of like this coalition of that. I, they don't have free Wi-Fi in their parking lots. Last time I checked, um, right. you know, I mean, there's so many places that, that don't have that. And I just, you know, I, I, when I hear some people, um, you know, there's someone who was recently talking about how um, how it was always foolish to have tried to do anything. We should have just given the, the the mobile companies more money so they could do it. But in school districts that got those hotspots, in a number of cases, those local cell sites were overrun. They didn't have the capacity to handle it. I don't know of that course. that's changed in this time. In the no, time, I don't think so. I think the main issue that I see, and I don't know if Travis agrees with this or anybody on the call does, is that who's maintaining the stuff that was put up, you know, three years ago. And I think that is, it's, it needs continuous upgrades and needs continuous gear replacement. And I don't think people are probably hmm. handling that and going out and taking care of it because the urgency isn't there. I think the cell companies are waiting. Remember the FCC ordered a $6 billion upgrade to rural 5G sites which they've been now sitting on for two and a half years and haven't let the money go. And I think the cell companies aren't building any real connectivity until they get that money. So I don't think there's been any upgrades to speak of in rural areas. So I'm just not seeing it. So Travis, I mean, cell coverage, we, we, we talk about broadband coverage, rural cell coverage is really horrible. I mean, it's horrible. So, yeah. Well, Chris, you know me, I always focus on the 82% of our population that live in metro areas, and I, I don't think there's been anything, <laughs> anything at all that's been done. I'll tell you what has been done, though. There's been a ton of Zoom calls or team calls or whatever these guys like to do, and they talk about it, and maybe one or two CBRS radios were installed, but to Kim's point, they've long been lost and forgotten about. So, and then what was all that, what do they call it, CARES money? The CARES Act, that all yeah. Yeah, that that got all shoved off to the cable companies. So that's all gone. Well, in some places that some places that did result in good investment, but I don't know if that was ten or twenty percent. It wasn't fifty percent. My prediction is probably what maybe like a hundred people got connected during the pandemic. <laughs> so I take that bet. I would definitely take that. Yeah, back. I think I think I would take. I think Charlie, that you that probably report. connected more than hundred. <laughs> Sorry, it might have been one hundred and nineteen. I don't want to. I don't want to diminish people's efforts out there. 
I mean, I, I was talking to I was talking to people that were thinking the, the the great idea was to put hot spots down in like the lobby of of buildings, and that was going to be a solution. You know, it's like really, you know, think think longer than like an afternoon here when we're building these networks. Well, you know why Mayo Clinic doesn't have free Wi-Fi? They don't want people hanging out in their parking lots. It's that simple. Yeah. I I'm curious. I um I put this forward uh, in a in a variety of places over the over the last year or two, but I'm curious if the three of you react. I'll start with you, Kim, because um I feel like we've been uh, not in, inviting you in enough of uh, of us talking over you. Um, but um, yeah, I feel like <laughs> uh, I feel like there is um, an opportunity to do like an 18 month challenge, and I feel like in any metro area. If you said, you know, we're going to do an 18 month challenge and in 18 months, we're going to make sure that every public housing facility is well connected, every unit in every public housing um, unit facility, by which I mean the high density ones, uh, not like fourplexes that are scattered around. Those are very difficult, but the higher density where you have like 30 or more units per building, um, I think in 18 months, you could very well connect all of every unit in a, in a metro area. Are you talking fiber per unit or fiber to the building? Uh, I would say uh, I would say high 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 quality connectivity to the building. So it could be fixed wireless to the roof, and then distributed using structured wiring that may need to be newly installed. If you have a effective plan and you have a like a strategic plan of how to get there, I think it can happen. I don't think it will happen if you do it. <laughs> um, I don't think that will happen, and I think Travis probably agrees with me on that. <laughs> I'm going to start calling that T-Rexing because it looks like his arms are all in. <laughs> Go ahead, Travis. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not interrupting Kim. Sorry, Kim. Are you? Are you? Uh... Yeah. Oh, Kim will tell us when she wants to talk. <laughs> yeah, you're good. All right. You want, you want to hook up every low housing uh, development in, in a metro area? Here's how you do it. You get somebody like Kim or us or somebody that's you know reasonably competent at rolling out network. That's the easy part. Give us somebody, one of these bureaucrats at the city or the county that has power, actual real power to make a decision, and we could get it, we could get it done. Problem you run into is you've got somebody that controls the building, you got somebody that controls the outside, you got somebody that controls the riser space, you got somebody that controls the individual units. This has nothing to do with rolling out a network. So like, let's talk about that. That's what exactly what I was hoping we would talk yeah. about, Travis. So, so let's, one of the things the mayor would have to do is to ensure that the public housing uh, corporation or whatever it is, because these things could be controlled by different political entities and the mayor may not have direct control over them. But um, we have two main problems, right? One is getting a connection to the building and the other is distributing it within the building. Mm -hmm. um, you know, generally these buildings are going to be above the tree line. And that's why I talk about fixed wireless on the short time horizon, um, probably trying to get fiber to them over a longer period of time. But um, one of the things I've run into is people will say, well, yeah, but the building in some cases, like in Baltimore, they were built after World War II and they're super hazardous. And so they're nervous about puncturing any of the walls because they have to have permits and crews to do it. But even then, I got to think it's still doable. So, Doug, I'm curious. You've given this some thought, I'm sure, too. But, like, is it is it doable or is it impossible to get all those people lined up that Travis says we need to line up? The trouble is, even in most cities, the mayor, it needs a city with what's called a strong mayor. And a lot of cities don't have that structure. So because a lot of cities, the city council controls it. But you just get into a million issues. If you have a building that's having a, a black mold problem, you know, are they, you know, that's way more important to them when people are coughing and dying than getting the broadband distributed building. I mean, there's so many other issues with these buildings. Uh, 
it would be a really, there's some cities who could pull that off. There's some cities with a strong mayor who could say, by God, let's just do that. And so, but, and there's some cities who that's, they're doing that with their ARPA money. So there are people mm -hmm. doing that to some extent, but there are a lot of cities that, and try, you are in one of them. It sounds like it would just be impossible there. You have seven layers oh, oh. of bureaucracy and you just can't get through it. So we, we've, we've yeah. had five thousand front of these buildings for 10 years and we, we've never. So I'm telling you, getting the getting the quality connection there is I don't want to say trivial, but there's options getting doing the wiring in the building relatively straightforward, working through the bureaucracy, impossible. And, and who, who wants to do it? And that's what gets us back to the priority issue. Yeah. It is not a priority because the mayor's kids right. are well served. The people who vote, their kids are pretty well served. It's the people in public housing who, once again, like nobody really cares about them. They're easy to ignore. And if it takes another five or 10 years, whatever, they probably wouldn't use the Internet anyway. It's sort of the attitude of people in power. I, you don't think that the politicians care. I mean, I think this is a hot button topic of low income and connectivity. And you don't think that those politicians are willing to, and it, I agree with Doug, I think it has to be a strong mayor, but I, I think that some of them are willing to take on, take this on more than they ever yeah, have been. There's some, but like, I would just come back to, there's a, someone who had said, or someone on the left had said, you know, show me your budget and I'll show you your values. And um, I think there's people who want to talk about this, but when it comes down to it, they're, they're not, going to be pushing for it right it's it's their number five or six issue and and yeah it's important to them but they're not they're not breaking through that bureaucracy uh, trouble you know, is these with these chris these neighborhoods also have no doctors and health care and they, there's 10 other things they don't have and that's a matter of where does broadband fit in that list of terrible things that have to be fixed well this is where i would go back to a poll that had been commissioned in north carolina that was not published but my understanding of it was, uh, and this is when I've talked to people in rural areas, they've said it resonates with them as being true. It asked people, you know, of all these different issues that you have, you have uh, economic challenges and ability to find work, you know, you've got healthcare, you've got education, all this different stuff. Where do you rank? What, um, what, how do you rank these problems in priority? And in 70 of 100 counties, the top issue was broadband. And, and rural for counties, that, that's absolutely true in cities. And well, the reason for that is because, and I think it's true in some urban areas too, is because every one of those other issues is easier to solve if you have high quality broadband out to everyone. Right. And so like, it's not that like people are like, oh, I'll fix the broadband rather than my black mold. It's more like fixing broadband helps me deal with healthcare, childcare, all kinds of other issues. Go ahead, Travis. Uh, may I have one, ask one final question because I have to leave in four minutes is, what is the current definition of broadband in our country? I'm just curious. Oh, 25 same, same as it's ever oh. been. It's Groundhog Day. And it is oh. Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. There, that, that sums up our bureaucracy for us right there. Yeah, but that comes back to setting the fifth commissioner. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I have I have almost four more weeks to lose that bet about whether the definition will change. Uh, we're ready to I'm, take, I'm taking triple or nothing for next year. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm taking a bet that we will have a fifth commissioner by the end of March. Hmm. Ooh, I think it's I'll, getting close myself, but we've been wrong before. I'll take and that. I hope so. Oh, okay. But even if they get one, it's going to take six months to change that. So it won't happen overnight. We shall so see. Chris automatically lost the bet. Sorry, Chris. 
Yeah, I mean, got that way. But... Something he can win here, right? Or at least a participation trophy, right? <laughs> Please send me a participation trophy. I'm gonna put it up on the wall over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Uh, we're gonna be back in uh, in two months and uh, two months. We'll be back in two months, but before then, we'll also be back. So, um, in two weeks, we'll be back, and uh, we'll probably be a little bit later in the afternoon because we're gonna do a live stream. The show we're calling Building for Digital Equity. It's going to be a one-hour show at 3 o'clock Eastern time. And Kim is going to be my co-host. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be lit. I think kids still say that. I don't know. Um, if you're saying it, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, this has been one of the more technically challenging episodes of Connect This. Connect This.